Hi, friends. Welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. My name is Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for this time together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry and was the founding senior pastor of a church called Fellowship in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Today, Dave is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering help and hope to everyday pastors through coaching and other resources. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, friends, here's the sad truth. We all get hurt. Unless you choose to be a monk living in a cave all by yourself, you have to interact with people. And anytime you interact with people, you're bound to hurt each other. And sometimes we don't just ding each other a little bit. We wound each other. Deep, painful wounds that are tender, that that make us want to protect ourselves. Wounds that fester over time or that leave scars that are a constant reminder of what they did to us. Though we may not have a choice about whether or not we get hurt, we do have a choice about what we do with those hurts and with those who hurt us. For the follower of Jesus, that means forgiving. Learning to forgive is essential if we hope to live lives of freedom and joy. Over the next couple of episodes, we're going to have some practical talk about forgiveness, and we're going to start by exposing some of the misconceptions about what it means to forgive. So let's join Dave now for What Forgiveness Isn't. Let's get our Bibles in hand, shall we, and open them up to the New Testament letter to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. To begin my talk this morning, I'd like to share with you a story I came back across in my files. It's dated a bit, but I think it serves the purposes from the topic for this morning. Each week, Kevin Tunnell is required to mail $1 to a family he'd rather forget. They had originally sued him for $1.5 million, but they settled for $936 with this stipulation. It had to be paid $1 at a time once a week for 18 years. According to the settlement, The check is to be dated each Friday so he won't forget what happened the first Friday of 1982. It was on that winter night that Kevin Tunnell killed this family's daughter while driving under the influence of alcohol. The girl was 18 years old. And the restitution of $1 once a week is for all 18 years of her life to remind him of what he did to that family. Ironically, no one seems to be more broken about this than Kevin Tunnell. He has apologized repeatedly and profusely. After being released from prison, he spent more than seven years campaigning against drunk driving, six years more than he was required by law. But he has struggled with writing that weekly check The family has taken him to court four times, and on one occasion, he was sentenced to another 30 days in jail for his refusal to pay. 
Tanel insists that he is not defying the court order, but rather he is so haunted by what he did that he can't bring himself to write that check with consistency. He is offered to pay the family in full. He is offered to pay them more, but they have refused. Because it's not the money they want. What do they want? Revenge. They want revenge. According to the mother, he must understand that we are going to pursue this to the bitter end. Interesting use of words, wouldn't say? To the bitter end. We will go back to court again and again, if we have to, to make him pay. Now, none of us here would ever understate what he did. We don't excuse his action, nor can we deny the pain in that family. But here's a question I have to ask. Are 936 payments going to be enough? I wonder what happened when August of 2000 rolled around. Was the family satisfied then? I mean, how much is enough? Were you that mother, how many payments would you require? Let me change the question. How many payments do you require of those who've hurt you? See, the fact of the matter is none of us will go through life without having our hearts broken or our hopes shattered. This girl died because someone drank too much. Maybe something in you died because somebody touched too much. Somebody said too much. Somebody abused too much. And part of you died. What will it take by way of payment from you? See, we won't live without being hurt. The question is, what will you do with the hurt? The natural response is like the girl's family, vengeance, revenge. Old Chinese proverb, if thine enemy wrong thee, by each of his children a drum. (laughs) Think about that for a moment. One way to get back at him. And yet Lou Smeads writes these words, vengeance is a passion to get even. It's the hot desire to give back as much pain as someone gave you. The problem with revenge is that it never gets what it wants. It never evens the score. It's in light of this, the Apostle Paul offers counsel in Colossians chapter 3. Have you found it? Verses 12 to 13, I will also flash it on the screen for you to take a look at if you didn't bring your Bible. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves. That's a very interesting verb. Literally put on. Put on. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And this last phrase you may want to underline in your thinking, if not your Bibles. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul's reasoning is very clear here. Having been granted forgiveness, we're to offer forgiveness. Having been given grace, we're to be givers of grace. Because of what God has done for us, not was saying that we broke his heart, we shattered his hopes, he now asks us to follow his lead. This isn't merely a suggestion. This is a command. And if you hope to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
You've got to grapple with this forgiveness deal. To live a life of a disciple is to live a life of forgiveness, plain and simple. But see, it's not only the right thing to do. It's the smart thing to do. Tucked away in the book of Hebrews is this verse you see by way of the screen. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, the root of bitterness grows in a heart of hate. And like slow time release pain capsule, you can mainline on poisonous bitterness. The crazy thing is, looking at this, you not only poison yourself, you can defile what? Many. When you hurt and when you hate, you can't choose who you're going to sprinkle the bitterness on. It comes to your kids. And if for any, for any other reason, uh, no other reason of motivation than that, if you don't get a hold of this thing here, your kids will learn well what it means to hurt and to hate. Nonetheless, it's difficult, so difficult. But though it's not a natural response, it's a healthy one. If you get nothing else out of this talk, get this. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. You say that out loud with me. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Listen, you do not forgive a person because they asked for it. You do not forgive a person because they deserve it. Primarily, you forgive a person because God commanded it. But it's not only right, it's smart. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Again, from Lou Smeads. The first and often the only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does the forgiving. When we forgive, I love this line, we set a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner set free was us. Now, notwithstanding the biblical rightness of this and even the logical correctness of this, it can still be very difficult to forgive if you don't deal with some misconceptions. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you the rest of the time I have up here about what forgiveness isn't. If you come back next week, I'll tell you what it is. But for now, let's just deal with what forgiveness isn't, and let's see if we can clear up a little bit of the clutter in our thinking, all right? Misconception number one, forgiveness is not excusing the offense. Forgiveness is not excusing the offense. A burglar breaks into your house one night, there's a struggle in a hallway, shot rings out and everything goes black. You wake up in the hospital in a halo harness and you can't feel anything below your waist and you realize you're paralyzed. He's got away. What do you do with that? You can't minimize it. You can't excuse it. You can't say, oh, he really didn't mean to shoot me. He's just a product of his environment. You don't have to excuse this to deal with it. In fact, true forgiveness is not excusing the fault. It's admitting that it was a fault. It was wrong. It was totally inexcusable. But hearkening back to the Colossians 3 text, look at it again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, in light of how much you've been forgiven, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bear with each other and forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. And this really helps me to get squared away on this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. 
it, it just comes down to that for me. Every, every time I just want to give in to vengeance, to give in to resentment, there's this figure on a cross who I can't get around. And I realize what I did to him and what he's done for me, and there's a part of me that it might, when I'm sm- smart enough to think it, how dare you? How dare you deny what was done for you by choosing not to follow the lead of the one who gave you so much? You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will continue his message in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe, and then help others find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. If you'd like to support us in this ministry, just go to davedesellministries.org and click on the Donate button. Well, Dave and I are excited about what God is doing with Dave DeSelm Ministries, and we'd like to invite you to follow us on that journey by signing up to receive our weekly update. Get the latest DDM news and a personal word from Dave sent to your email inbox each Monday. You can subscribe to the weekly update on our website, davedesalmministries.org. Now let's return to Dave and the rest of today's teaching. Misconception number two. Forgiveness is not denying or minimizing the pain. See, we can deal with petty disappointments. A child breaks a teacup and you can say, I didn't like that pattern anyway. (laughs) A person ignores you in the hall or insults you in the office. You think, I really don't care what they think. But it's one thing to forgive the bully who pushed your boy down at the bus stop. It's something else to forgive the gang member who slashed his face. It's one thing to forgive Aunt Gertrude for snubbing you with the cookies you baked. It's something else when Uncle Charlie sexually abused your daughter. You don't minimize this thing here. And you're going to have to come to grips with this. It was a big deal. It did hurt. It has scarred me. Rather than try to minimize it, look at it in all of its ugliness and say, that's what happened. But I refuse to let that continue to control me. Here's the deal. If you choose to continue to hate and resent, you are no different than a marionette on the strings of their behaviors. You'd like to think you're free of that person. In reality, with every word they say, with every time you see them, you twitch like a marionette. To forgive means to be free of them. I remember the testimony of a remarkable woman. She was brutally date-raped. And it was horrible. And she processed the pain, and she came to a point forgiveness of that guy. And when questioned by some of her friends, how could you do that? She gave this amazing answer. I had to give that man one night of my life. I'm not going to give him any more. I'm not going to give him any more. To refuse to forgive is to be tethered to your abuser. Forgiveness is the way to freedom but that lends itself to another misconception. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. One of the reasons why I struggle to forgive, it seems like they're getting away with it. They're getting away with murder. 
There's a part of it that wants to say, that was wrong. They ought to pay. There's been an injustice here. You ever think this way? This is a justice issue. And really, I think for many of us, it really isn't a vengeance issue. This is a justice issue. That was wrong. And that wrong needs to be made right. And I think that's really godlike. And here's we, but here's the reason. If I forgive them, they'll be getting away with it. If I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. Listen to me carefully. When you forgive them, you are not letting them off the hook. You are letting them off your hook and putting them on God's hook. When you forgive them, you are not letting them off the hook. You're letting them off of your hook and putting them on God's hook. They're not getting away with anything. Look at it this way. If you're one of God's kids, how do you think dad's going to feel if you get hurt? He's going to deal with it. But he says, let me deal with it. All you will do is you need to be tethered to it. I'll take care of it. And if you doubt that, hold a finger here and go back about a quarter of an inch to the left to the book of Romans chapter 12 and see what God has to say about this injustice deal. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 19. Some of you have never seen this in the Bible before, but it's right here. Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. Now look at the 19th verse. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. God will not be bluffed or bullied. He will not be suckered. The time will come when that person will either fall before him in repentance and come to faith in Christ, or they will face God in judgment. But he will take care of it. It's not your job. He's much better. He's much more thorough. And he's much more righteous. Let it go. Let it go. Next misconception. Forgiveness does not mean that you must blindly trust again. A mother finds drugs in her son's room, recognizes that he's been engaged in all kinds of behavior that so, so wrong. After initial denial, he confesses. He asks for forgiveness. A mother grants it. But she says, for the next weeks, there's going to be an open-door policy in your room. No locked doors. Periodic searches. And your time in the car is going to be seriously curtailed for six months. And he just goes ballistic. He says, wait a minute. Wasn't I forgiven? And mother says, yes. Don't you trust me? And the mother should say, not yet. Not yet. A woman is battered time and again and finally has had enough. In the night, while her husband is sleeping, 
She gets the kids in some clothes and goes to a woman's shelter. He wakes to realize what his anger has done. Totally beside himself, tearfully, he asks her forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you come home now? Not yet. Listen, forgiveness should be granted at a moment in time. Trust is earned over the passage of time. Forgiveness, a moment in time. Notice the verbs there. Granted and earned. Granted and earned. One doesn't earn forgiveness. It's granted. By the same token, one doesn't grant trust. It's earned. You clear with me on this? It does not mean you blindly trust again. That wisdom would say, you put some margins up. You be very careful. Because some people are flat out toxic. But by the same token, that doesn't mean that you still don't forgive. This is tied to another misconception. That is, forgiveness does not require immediate restoration of the relationship. It takes one sinner to repent. It takes one victim to forgive. It takes both to reconcile. It takes both. Until that happens, restoration of the relationship may be iffy. Forgiveness is the gateway to potential restoration. But we forgive first, and then see what happens with restoration. This leads, by the way, to one of the most common questions I'm asked. Should I forgive if they don't ask for forgiveness? What have we already learned? Forgiveness is a gift I give myself. I don't forgive because they've asked for it. I don't forgive because they deserve it. I forgive because, one, I am a disciple of Jesus, and he's asked me to. But secondly, it has to do with the state of my soul. I refuse to continue to be tethered to them, and I refuse to continue to hate and poison myself and my kids. It doesn't matter if they come to me. I do it because it's right. I'd like them to come to me. But I've got to tell you, I've had to forget, forgive in my life an awful lot of people. Not all of them have ever come back and asked me uh, for my forgiveness. But it was still right. It was still right. Whether they ever reciprocate is something you cannot control. But you can control whether you forgive. Last one. Forgiveness is not synonymous with forgetting. Ever heard this line? If you forgive, you must forget. If you haven't forgotten, you really haven't forgiven. Ever heard that? It's just simply not true. It's not true. The kinds of hurt that you have faced will always be in your memory. What do you do then about the vivid nature of that memory, the redness of the scars? Here's something that I think is really special. In Hebrews 10, 17, there's a verse that speaks about how God forgives us. And it says, there's sins when a person comes to Christ. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. What's that mean? When you become a Christian, does God get divine amnesia? Not at all. When you look at Webster's definition of forgive, look what it says, or forget that is, to lose the remembrance of, I love this next one, to disregard intentionally, to choose to overlook. One of the best biblical examples of this is our old friend Joseph. 
We said to him in some detail some months back, remember how many decades of abuse at the hands of his brothers he faced? Lied about, imprisoned, betrayed. Joseph, if anybody, could have lived a life of resentment. But tucked away in chapter 41, verse 51, is this line. Joseph named the firstborn, his firstborn son, Manasseh. God has made me forget all my trouble. This is remarkable. Is he saying that he doesn't remember anything anymore? No, what he's saying is, I have chosen to not let that wreck my life, and it will not define who I am. And I'm going to recognize time and again, I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to forgive. One thing we're going to talk about next week is this idea of taking every thought captive. I choose to forgive. I'm choosing to forgive. Off my hook, on God's hook, I'm choosing to forgive. And as you do that, what you're going to find is this. The memory will begin to blur, and the scar will get less reddened. You will always remember what they did to you, but it need not define you, and it need not control you. God will help you forgive. That's what it isn't. You say, well, what is it? That's next week. <laughs> but for right now, at least come to grips with this. Hopefully, if I can remove this clutter in your thinking, when I challenge you next week, here's what it is. I'll have dealt with some of your yeah buts. Thank you so much for joining us for the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at dave at davedeselmministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.